Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we're going to finish our What If Feedback Roundup with one final shot at reading all of your feedback. So thank you guys for writing in. We'll be right back after this ad we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and today, again, in the second chair, we have Matthew Fox. How you doing, Matthew? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a great time to, uh, I haven't really gotten to be part of any conversations about what if we did one episode on the first half of it, uh, on my own podcast, superhero ethics, but I haven't done much talking about it. So I'm glad to kind of dig into some of these feedbacks here. Sweet. Sweet. You have any, uh, overall thoughts about what if that you'd like to throw out? I'll say I really enjoyed a number of specific episodes. Um, I'm not the time travel guy. I'm not the let's play with reality guy. You know, there's a great moment there. um, uh, Jeff was talking last week on the podcast. and He said, look, you just need to not think about it too much. And that's where I was like, okay, I'm so glad so many people enjoy what if that means it's not really for me. Um, But I do think there's a lot of good things happening. I've loved a lot of the way it approached some of these questions. I love getting to see some of these new characters like Captain Carter or Party Thor. Um, And I, I do think, I mean, I think there's many other questions of what if besides ethics, but ethics is fundamentally a a question of what if, you know, what if this character did this, made this other choice. And so I, I've really enjoyed hearing, not only seeing what the writers of what if had to say, but then all the different responses we've gotten from you and Jeff and Ashley and all your listeners. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive into some more feedback and see what people have to say. Sweet, sweet. Well, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's dive right in. All right. Well, uh, we start with Joel Gregory on Gmail. Uh, Joel Gregory writes in, hi, Ash Jet. So I guess that's Ash Jeff Matt. Yeah, Um, I like it. Which I'm a Matt too, so I'll I'll claim it. (laughs) Uh, Season finality of What If irked me in a couple ways. The main thing is that multiple versions of Infinity Stones can be used in other universes and by whoever wants them. This means in our main MCU multiverse, you can end up with a hundred time stones in one universe with each wielder just counteracting a time reversal or fast forward. Another issue is that anyone can hold them, so many characters just holding the stones with only a leather glove. T'Challa, Killmonger, Widow, all should have at least struggled to hold the stone. And finally, Uatu put Widow in a different universe with seemingly no ramifications, so what in the F? Didn't he put her back in the main MCU? Curious on your thoughts, the results of the finale, and what it means for the MCU canon, 3000, Panda out. Okay, a few things. Uh, the fact that they can have lots of times, uh, lots of different stones in the same universe, that's weird, but not, uh, not a flaw. It is different than in comics. In comics, the stones can only be used in the universe that they were created in. Mm-hmm. That is apparently not how this version of the multiverse works, for whatever reason. Um, right. maybe it's because they're closely related universes. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just because these rules work differently here. Um, but the, uh, the, the idea that they could all hold them, I don't believe any of them hold the power stone. So I'm not sure you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anyone's had a hard time holding a stone except for the power stone. And if, right, which is the one in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, in Guardians of the Galaxy, you you have to have a group of people to hold the power stone. Right. I think that's the only one that like destroys you by holding it. Now, um, Red Skull held the mm-hmm. Tesseract, but it didn't destroy him. It teleported him. 
Right. And, and for most of the time, he didn't hold the the actual Infinity Stone. He holds this, like, blue crystal gem that's, that's, that, true. That, that's inside of. It's not until someone breaks it and finds the stone inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, as far as I understand, at least in the MCU, it's the power stone that can't be held. And I don't think anyone holds the power stone except for Mega Ultron or whatever. Right. <laughs> Ultron Supreme. I forget what we called him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ultravision. I think that makes sense. And I think it lost me a little bit. So I understand the, the problem with it. But I do think one of the things of what if is you sort of have to accept, like, we're going to go to different universes where things are different. So if things seem like they don't make sense, it's because they're different here, you know? Mm. And it's, I think that's both the genius and the potential flaw of storytelling in the what if kind of manner. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, let me go back to the other stuff he said. Um, what, what's your take on this idea of multiple people in the same universe all having a time stone? So that's what I was talking about at the beginning there. There's in, in the comics universe, uh, the, Stones can only be used in the in the universe from which they're created. In this, mm-hmm. in, in this, they just revealed that's not the case here. So, like, you can use. We know that you can't use them in the TVA, which could be the quantum realm, and maybe that's just because it's outside of universes. You can't use them there. But apparently, a lot of people assumed when you they couldn't use the stones in the TVA that that meant it operated similarly to the comics. But that apparently isn't the case based on what if because. Right. They, they they do travel to different universes. Um, I man, oh, why didn't Ultron? Oh gosh, what was his name? The guy who worked at the desk who had all the Infinity Stones as paperweights. Oh, I can see him. I can see the I actor. But yeah, name. I don't remember. Uh, somebody. In the it was chat. something like Melvin or Marvin or something. Yeah, stuff like that. They, it would have been amazing if Watu brought him in. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's I like one, of the, it. one of the one of the final battles they bring in uh, mm-hmm. that character. He's really funny. Um, let's see. So, uh, they did not, uh, talking about Black Widow, they did not put her back in the MCU. Uh, they right. put her in the timeline in, in, in the, uh, what is it? The second or third episode where all the Avengers died. Mm-hmm. They put her back in that timeline. That was the, right. the one that lost their widow. Now, when they said that, a lot of people freaked out and were like, are they bringing her back in ours? No, they didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, one thing I did appreciate about the, uh, of uh, the entire what if show is, you know, by now it's become a joke that Tony Stark dies again and again and again. But I think one of the points of that was to like make sure that no one thought there was any what if version of Tony Stark that could come back. That was like <laughs> it, it was kind of like their promise to Robert Downey Jr. Like, don't worry, we know your contract's over, you're done. We are not like we're going to hint that maybe Captain Carter could come back, maybe Mecca Steve Rogers could come back. I, I like the idea of Mecca Steve Rogers. That's what I'm yeah, calling him from now good. on. Um, you know, maybe uh, th- these different versions of the characters come back. But I think it's pretty clear Tony is dead in every and any multiverse. He does. He does survive in one, uh, and that's the one where they go get Gamora from, right? Uh, and he's like wearing a Hulkbuster armor out in space for some reason. So mm-hmm. that, that he does survive in some of them, but uh, in that one at least. Um, but right. yeah, it is. It is a funny joke that I think the reason they do that to some degree is because I joked about this on the last episode, but it's kind of true. If Tony exists. Tony is kind of going to be a part of the story. And so they, mm-hmm. like, if they didn't want Tony to be part of the story, they just killed killing him off. Like, yeah. Oh, well we don't want him to be in this last battle. So let's kill Tony. 
we don't want him to make it to to fight Killmonger in, in Wakanda mm-hmm. at the end. So let's kill let's kill him off. He, he takes up a lot of oxygen in the room. He does. He does. Uh, once again, the chat has come through for us. By the way, uh, Jessica uh, points out that it is Casey is the name of that Thank guy with all the Infinity Stones who who is very concerned about being gutted like a thing that he doesn't know what it is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Lauren Waters writes, "Hello, gang." I've been loving your feedback this season. Thank you for doing an awesome job. Uh, I I wasn't doing the job, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they all say thank you as well. Yes, thank you. I was listening to your episode 8 feedback, and I think I have the theory of the nexus point of the Ultron winning timeline. In that entire episode, there's no mention of Wanda or Pietro. Tony is shown getting the inspiration for Ultron alone. In the sequence that Vision is being developed, there is no Wanda or Pietro. And when they show the fall of the Avengers on that Earth, they're once again absent. In Age of Ultron, Wanda is the one to interrupt Ultron's upload by waking up Dr. Cho from the Mind Stone, so if her and Pietro never volunteered for the experiments, he presumably would have been able to complete it. Just a thought, but I did think their absence was notable. Lauren. I love that, Lauren. That's beautiful. It's very elegant, Mm -hmm. and it's it's in the text enough that I think it totally makes sense. Good job. Killer. I think it makes sense. Yeah. So let's do our next one. Uh, it's by Crum. Uh, greetings, fellow watchers. Crum here. Just finished the new episode, and it was awesome. It was great to see the Guardians of the Multiverse assemble and fight Ultron. I had a gut feeling that Killmonger was going to betray them at some point, and bam, look what happened. Watching Strange using all that dark magic they had inside of him was nuts. I was expecting more from Uatu and from Zombie Wanda, but the fighting was awesome nonetheless. Super glad that he sent Black Widow to the universe where their widow was killed, I'm presuming by Hank Pym, and I hope we get to see little Steve Rogers and Peggy reunite next season. Overall, it was a great ending to the first season. Now we just have to make it till the Eternals, No Way Home, and Mom. Uh, which, Multiverse of Madness. That's all for now. Thanks, guys. And remember, on your left, Crumb. Uh, thanks, Crumb. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I really, I really hope that she gets, I hope she gets to be with little Steve, but also, I know for a fact, if little Steve comes back, he's gonna be all winter soldierized, right? Yeah. He's just got to be. He's in that little box, and there's no way, if they start that story, they're not going to start it where they're together. They're going to start it where, like, look, they're together, but he's evil, and then she's going to have to, like, win him over by the end. Like, Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's definitely very possible. Uh, Abby Fenton writes in, Hi, Jeff, Matt, and Ashley. First time writing in, Wow, 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 this episode was so good. I hardly ever cry, and I was in tears by the end of it. The girl power was so strong from the opening scene through to the end, and it was so fun to see Nat and Captain Carter play off each other. Also, was it just me, or was Captain Carter kind of a hottie? Kind of. Kind of. That's my own editorial commentary. One question I am pondering is, if you could swap one hero from our timeline with their variant in the Guardians of the Multiverse, who would you pick, and do you think it would have changed Infinity War or Endgame? Love you 3000, Abby. Uh, I'll, I'll just jump in with this one first. I... Like I said, there's a lot about the ending of What If that I was not a fan of, but I did think the team up between Natasha and Captain Carter was fantastic. And it's it's obviously a, a, a kind of a time thing, but especially when you think about how in Civil War and then even also in Infinity War and Endgame, there's obviously a very close bond between Natasha and Steve Rogers, you know, and that he's the man out of time and she's the person who's never quite fit in because she's always been this kind of spy who's never known who she is. And so it actually makes a lot of sense that if in this world, Captain Carter is the one who misses 50 years on Earth, 
that, yeah, she would also develop this great connection with Natasha. And, and just the way they talk about being besties and stuff like that, I just thought it was fantastic. And I will, um, again, I question the word kind of. I think Captain Carter is fantastically attractive, mm-hmm. both in this and in the first episode she's introduced. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, it, you know, it's that kind of Wonder Woman thing. You know, it's great seeing a, uh, someone be an attractive character, but not the kind of like, you know, slim, uh, you know, slinky, sensual, uh, female character hero. Instead, it's like big and bulky and muscly and sexy as hell. Well, and yeah, sexy and strong. That's the thing. It's like right. so often to be sexy, they make women diminutive or, or even like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, the damsel in distress. And if for the male gaze, we're supposed to be like, yes, I'll come protect you. But no, right. She is fully in her power and it's awesome. And like, I kind of want if she uh, Abby asks what what character we want from our universe. I want her. I know little Steve's probably coming back, but he's not back yet. Mm-hmm. I want our Steve Rogers <laughs> to show up <laughs> in that universe and them get to meet uh because I also think it'd be really fun to see the uh the reaction of Steve to to mm-hmm. the Captain Carter persona as opposed to the the Peggy Carter. She's already such a strong character. I think I think he would be a little intimidated, honestly. But I think yeah. he's a good man and he'd get over it, you know? <laughs> I, I think that's that's probably a really good one. I, I don't think this would be good as anything but a ten minute short or maybe like a small part of a larger movie. But I'd love to see Party Thor and Rocket hang out. Yes. I think he's in the Party Thor episode, right? Wasn't Rocket in I there somewhere? I think very briefly. There's yeah, kind of yeah, a ref- yeah. He he makes a reference to like what is this strange Earth creature? Yes, yeah, um, kind of like that. the rabbit thing. Um, but yeah, I just would love to see them together. So yeah, great question. That sounds yeah, I like it. Jithin Jacob on Gmail writes, "Hey guys, just heard the finale cast, and you guys were discussing that we didn't get a Tony Gamora episode, but the episode was actually planned. According to the showrunners, they had an episode in the world which was supposed to be a fun, light-hearted episode." But the animation studio handling that episode was hit hard by the pandemic and couldn't complete it, and so they dropped it. But they said that they'll definitely be visiting that universe next season. Also, on a sad note, they are planning a spin-off series with T'Challa, Star-Lord, and the gang that's now, unfortunately, in limbo. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't imagine they're going to bring that back now. Yeah. Mm. Dang. That would have been a lot of fun. That That episode... Is one of the sillier episodes, but also one of the most fun. There's mm-hmm. a lot of silliness in this, but it's, it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as someone who is not really a Star Lord fan, I particularly loved that. Um, but it was, it was great to see T'Challa in a very, and, and to me, I feel like that episode was my favorite in terms of really asking the, kind of exploring the butterfly effect. You know, yeah. what if you change this one thing? How does it like have echoes across all these different versions of reality? You know? Um, which I really loved. Court OB in the chat says the sexual tension and competition between the caps would be fantastic. Right? <laughs> right? It would be so good. Like, they're just like, who's the stronger captain? Like, it'd just be good. It'd be fun. Yeah. It would be fun. I, I did like that, to me, smaller Steve still thinking, you know, big, bulky, uh, you know, bodybuilding uh, Carter was fantastically attractive. I loved that dynamic as well. Oh, I do too. But yeah, yeah I could I could see there being some fun things there. All right, uh, Lisa Moines uh, on Gmail writes, "Hello to my favorite MCU podcast. My name is Lisa, and I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast since. Mi- nope, nope, it's terrible. Even Jeff, I'm trying to make Jeff look better. I've been listening to your podcast since mid 2020. I'm a huge fan of your show. 
Your reviews give me different insights into all things Marvel, and I feel like I can geek out with you all the time. I have one brief and sad thought about the what what if finale. Do you think that Zombie Wanda, Zomda, if you will, Ooh, wasn't like able it. to stop Ultron because he kind of looked like Vision? She starts out all menacing and then stops when she looks at him. Yeah, that broke my heart. Anyway, keep up the great work and keep being the best MCU podcast there is. Love you, 3000. Lisa from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, I bought a kilt today, so I kind of have a little bit of the Scottish feeling, but my family is Welsh, who kind of the forgotten stepchildren of the British Empire, so forgive me. Jeff, I'm proving your accents are better. <laughs> anyway, that being done, Matt, what's your take on this, these questions you raises? Oh or man, you raises? Uh, the, a bold move going with the accent all the way through. I never can do it. I always, if, if I ever try, I always give up two, two sentences in because I lose my accent completely. Uh, so, here's my dirty confession. You were asking me offline, like what else I've been watching. I spent all of last week watching the very highbrow, very intellectual sort of Shakespearean level entertainment that is known as Love Island UK, uh, which is one of these very trashy um, uh, reality dating shows, which yeah. I love and adore. And I might do a podcast on those kind of TV shows called Are the Straits, Are the Mono Straight Sis How Okay? Uh, <laughs> so much fun. Uh, but yes, uh, so I have a little bit of the Scottish accent in my mind from that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's some really interesting questions here. Um, the whole thing about Zombie Wanda, I, I think one of the things that I wasn't sure about with Zombie Wanda is it, when I think of a zombie, the first thing I think of is mindless, you know, and right. as, as not able to strategically plan, just like, ooh, brains. Mm. Based on what we saw, they are at least smart enough in this universe to use tools, to use their mm-hmm. their powers, their suits, all those things. Right. Like, so they are to fly, some of them, like, they they are smarter than your average zombie in this particular universe, but I don't know how they connect emotionally. It, right. It's, it's hard to know. So I, I didn't notice what uh, Lisa's talking about here when she's looking with menace and stops when she looks at vision uh, who is, who is vision, you know, cause, cause it, Ultron, right. It's Ultron in the vision body yeah. that he wanted to build, but that he stole to create vision instead. He was yeah. Ultron's vision of the perfect, uh, perfect version of Ultron. So right. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't see that one either, but I, I it would make sense, you know. It, it's, yeah. It, again, it's certainly possible that, that happened. I love it. If so, absolutely love mm-hmm. it. That's real yeah. cool. I do. I do think they could have done more with Zomda, as mm-hmm. Lisa says. I I I we we talked about that on the cast. How like we even before that episode aired, we wanted Zombie wanted to show up in the last in one in the last episode and do some cool stuff, but. uh she, you know, she just kind of shows up and then they leave to let her fight, fight Ultron. Um, I kind of, yeah. I kind of wanted to see that fight a little more. Well, and for me, when they first introduced the idea of, of vision, like making this choice to help support the woman he loves, who's a zombie, even at the expense of everyone else, I was like, oh my God, I want to see where they go with this. This is a great ethics episode. Mm-hmm. And then immediately vision was like, no, I was wrong to do this. I'll come with you and help fight. Um, and I was like, ah, let's do that. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, uh, Kyoki Young on Gmail wrote in, uh, and uh, I will say this a little bit for time. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, it, I th- but uh, so Kyoki, I hope we're getting all the points in. It is a quite long email. I will also say, uh, Kyoki, I feel your pain because I have probably been. I may have won the award for the most emails that Jeff and Matt have had to cut down because <laughs> I am not known for being terse. So it, it was very bittersweet to edit your words the way mine are also edited. <laughs> but that being said, greetings, pandas. Having heard your hopes that the series will connect to the MCU movies going forward, I'd advise you not to get your hopes up too high. I would love to see this, I just don't think it's practical for Disney. 
I'm certain that the overwhelming majority of filmgoers do not watch the Disney Plus series, so I suspect that the connectivity between the small screen and the big screen will remain limited. I expect that Wanda, for example, will show up in Doctor Strange, Multiverses of Madness, and will be studying the Dark Hole to learn new powers. For the mainstream viewer, this will likely be all the info given about what the Scarlet Witch has been doing since Endgame. If the rumor about Speed and Wiccan is true, they'll probably be explained as Kids of Vision and Wanda using Chaos Magic. I doubt there will be any significant reference to the events of WandaVision, nor is it strictly necessary. To create a lot of exposition, recapping that show seems pretty dull for those of us who have already seen it, and to assume everyone has seen it could be confusing for those who haven't. Uh, I appreciate the way Loki and What If are connected in a way that requires no such prior knowledge. As MCU, as MCU nuts, of course, we know that the reason so many characters can hop from one universe to another is because Sylvie tore open the multiverse, but that event hasn't been referenced yet in What If, which can easily be enjoyed on its own. Telling a continuous story across two different media is a tricky business, which is why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows were affected by events in the films, but not vice versa. Matt's beloved Star Wars, which is kind of equivalent to this Matt, if not the actual Matt that I think he's sarcastically referencing, uh, does with various TV shows, books, comics, and video games. By the way, I still think it'd be cool to talk about the canon MCU books and tie-in comics on the podcast, although with so much Marvel goodness coming out like, lately, I can imagine you must be overwhelmed. First world problems. <laughs> Your friend, Kiyoki from Seattle. P.S. I'm not Scottish, Ashley, but I'd be happy to fake an accent for you. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Good to hear from you, Kiyoki. Um, this has, I feel like we haven't heard from you in a while. Good to hear from you. Um, let's see. So, as for the Disney Plus series crossing over, I think you're right, but... They, when they announced WandaVision and Falcon or Soldier, they did say, Feige said, these are going to be the first TV shows you have to watch. They're going to be required watching to continue understanding the verse. Right. So I think it is very likely that they, they will give some sort of recap to what happened to Wanda, but I do think it's very possible we're going to get like a direct tie into what Wanda did. Um, Similar to, you know, if you didn't watch Captain America Civil War, uh, or, or I'm sorry, if you didn't watch Civil War and then later they reference her, you know, having caused the Sokovia Accords or whatever, like, you know, they're, 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 there's little references that work, um, but they do tend to do make everything pretty self-contained. So I, right. I, I think you're right. Like, I, But I think there's room for them to walk that line just as i've said many times with the netflix stuff they could easily bring daredevil back and he was just the daredevil that we know who's already right worked things out he already has his practice with his partners and everything um and just never have to retell the story again but also it's just daredevil the new yeah. people who new people watching are just like oh it's a superhero and they exposize that as they need to that's not a word um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And I expand a little bit in that my, I'm one of the things that's frustrating about these streaming services is that, you know, we can look at the Nielsen ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Netflix has never told anybody how right. many people watched Daredevil or Daredevil Season 2. Disney Plus has never told anybody how many people watched WandaVision or Falcon. But my impression is that a lot more people have watched those than did the Netflix shows. And I, I think, A, I say that's because there was so much more buzz around them. But also, if you think about the timing, you know, mm-hmm. when the Daredevil stuff came out, most people didn't know those characters. And there was also so much else happening. Mm-hmm. The Disney Plus shows, on the other hand, everybody already, like, people had already fallen in love with Wanda and Vision and Falcon and Bucky Barnes. 
And so there was that there was a draw of like, hey, did you really like watching Sebastian stand on screen? Because I certainly did. Here's a chance to watch more of him. Here's a chance to watch more of Sam, you know? Uh, here's a chance to watch more of Wanda and Vision in a way that there wasn't with Defenders. And the other thing is those things came out during the pandemic when we weren't getting movies. So there was just so much more incentive to watch them. But even putting that all aside, the other thing is that I think, and here here's a way in which I think actually maybe the MCU can learn from Star Wars somewhat. The Bad Batch TV show, uh, and I, I'm not the only one who's commented on this, many people have commented, I think really set a new bar because there's so much in that story that was very intentionally referencing things from the Legends canon or from the Rebels TV show or from the Clone Wars TV show. And yet the people who'd never seen that stuff still absolutely loved it. You know, Jay Scotty and I were two of the main people who podcasted it. And and we talked about that a lot because he didn't see all that stuff and I had. And we were both able to really enjoy it. And I think they, they were able to really do it in a way where it was they're dropping references that we pick up on. But you don't need to understand. You know, it's a sort of like Wanda is looking for her children that have been taken by the Darkhold. Yeah, that's cool. You don't need to know why they were taken by the Darkhold and what the whole backstory is. Agatha is a witch who has had a, a past with Wanda. We'll all know what that past is, but you can probably tell that story without mm-hmm. needing to know what that past is. So uh, I, I, I think I'm a lot more optimistic than um, uh, Kyoki is, but I think it is very, I think they're very real concerns for sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like, you know, they did it. I, I don't, I'm not expecting a lot of crossover mm-hmm. from these what if episodes, but if we start getting craziness, like if we meet, uh, we, we, I think I, I think I mentioned this exact example a couple weeks ago, but like if we at some point get a Thor core where there's just like a bunch of Thors show up and one of them seems a little more like apt to party, then all mm-hmm. of us know that's party Thor. You know what I mean? Like right. little things like that. Just like in, uh, in game when we got, uh, Jarvis for a second and, and those of us who watched the Captain Carter series, like new, or I'm sorry, Agent Carter series were like, Oh, it's Jarvis from Agent Carter. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. But no one else knew it was just the butler, you know, and it yeah. works. Uh, you, you, I just think there's, there's a lot of room to do things like that. And since these are being made by the same, uh, same, group this isn't this is no right. longer a split marvel this is actually people making these things for uh the ongoing content like i think we're going to get crossover stuff i think yeah. i think it's you know going back to somebody's question from earlier about who will show up in the dark avengers i think a, a wonderful idea for dark avengers is agatha like i yeah. think agatha showing up as the magic user on the dark avengers would be amazing because from the outside world she saved that town and like, mm-hmm. I would love to see they need a hero that's kind of like a magic user, like Wanda's been for the Avengers, and they grab Agatha and pull her in. And she's we the world may not know she's morally suspect, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's possible. I think I'm hoping for Agatha. After, it was Agatha all along as its own TV show, since we already have the theme song for that show. Written oh, you, you, you and, know and that performed. There, you know they there is one, right? Did you? Yeah, did you no, I've heard this? about that. So yeah, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm super excited for that one. Me too. Um, yeah. All right. Next email. Um, uh, this guy called Matthew from Minnesota. No idea who he is, but uh, he wrote in an email to us saying, so here's my problem with the <laughs> Doctor Strange episode. We get the whole thing is based on a what if, uh, you know, what if this totally different history had happened. But then once the what if begins, we have this 
we're told that the uh, the death of Christine is now a fixed moment in time that cannot be changed. Right. How can you have a fixed moment in time that's part of a what if? Uh, I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> love you, 3000. And, of course, I have no relationship whatsoever to that dashingly handsome Matthew who hosts podcasts and happens to be reading this email at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, Matthew, thank you for writing in. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I, the idea... Uh, it's just a different type of fixed point in time. And here's my Mm -hmm. theory. And I like this. Someone else wrote this in. This is not fully my theory. I think we sort of crystallized it on the podcast, but so in Loki, you have the idea that you can trim a branch, right? You trim a branch. And how do you do that? You remove the piece of it. That is the nexus event. So in this universe, Christine's death is the nexus event. So for that universe to continue existing, the universe that that Doctor Strange lives in, that Nexus event is what created that spinoff universe. So it has to exist for that that thread to continue to go on, that branch. Now, once right. it's clipped, that universe is destroyed, but the other universes in the multiverse continue. So that's what they're talking about. It's a fixed moment in time. A Nexus event, once it's crossed the red line, is a fixed moment in time okay for that branch to continue to exist for myself uh matthew who is a uh, mcu guest host from time to time i I think i can understand that (laughs) i think the matthew variant that is the host of superhero ethics thinks that's total bunk but fair (laughs) enough i I appreciate that there's a way to justify it yeah um it's 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 just it's confusing because it's a different thing than like Doctor Who has fixed moments in time, and those are right. things that no matter what he changes. But see, that's the thing: like these are different vo- versions of time travel. So, like the the Doctor Who fixed moment in time, for instance, or w- lots of other universes have fixed moments in time. They're not dealing with the multiverse most of the time. They're dealing mm-hmm. with a single universe. Like so, right. when Doctor Doctor Who, uh, when the Doctor makes changes to the timeline or whatever those fixed moments in time have to exist. So that's kind of how we're used to thinking about fixed moments in time, but this is the multiverse. And Watu is saying that that's a fixed moment in time, just in that one instance of the multiverse, that branch. And it is sure enough, when he takes it away, that branch has stopped existing and he ends up in that, like, you know, it ends up collapsing in on itself. So what we're kind of getting, at least based on the theorizing of, of the listeners, um, we're basically getting what it looks like, when the TVA shows up to to clip the branch, that universe collapses in on itself, and it probably would have continued to collapse in on itself, but he's just such a powerful magic user that he's like holding it open with just pure will at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, the universe is passing away, and he's like, I've tr- he's trimmed his own branch, as it were, and he's like, Got no! It. <laughs> it's so, it's so, so good. I, I love that I, episode. I, I- I, I think Variant Matthew is going to do an episode on his thoughts on how that all does work or, or doesn't work. But I think, yeah, I, I can I can understand the logic of that and, and how for people it can make sense. And I'm I'm really glad that people enjoy that kind of a story because um, I think it's it's it, if it makes sense to you, then that's awesome. Um, so Jack Brencho, uh, Brencho, I believe it is. Yeah. Jack Brencho writes in. Wow. What a finale. The biggest question I have out of this episode is to do with a pocket dimension around Killmonger and Zola. If one of them was to win and take the stones, could they break out of the pocket dimension? If they can't, then why didn't the Watcher just form a pocket dimension around Ultron to start with? Great question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what exactly created that pocket dimension. Was it just... Yeah. Was it the use of the stone that created it? 
I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I'm kind of fuzzy on the details on like what created mm-hmm. the pocket dimension. Cause I don't know. Did a just do it? Cause in, in that case, I think you're probably right. But, um, yeah, I think it had something to do with the fact that they're also locked in battle and he, while distracted, he was able to trap them because clearly once he is without the stones, uh, or is with the stones, Ultron can just jump from universe to universe. He's proven that. So putting right. him in a pocket dimension doesn't seem to make sense, but locking him in battle is just, you know, it's a classic kind of sci-fi trope. He's like locked right. in battle and we will freeze them there forever. Yeah. It's the kind of idea. Like if you can play with space time, then you can have them sort of frozen in this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think I, I, I really liked the Uatu character and the idea of the watchers. I wish we got a lot more of them because I felt like, when Uatu makes that decision to interfere, in part because he's now been attacked, but also just all the stuff he goes through, I wanted to know a lot more about the Watcher code and why do they have this idea. Um, especially I wondered at one point, like, as all, if they say that Uatu is the Watcher of this universe. So then when Ultron starts leaping to universe to universe, I'm kind of like, well, where are all the other Watchers? Like, what are they doing about all this? I don't think he's just the Watcher of this universe because... Each episode, he's watching a different universe. So I don't know what they were saying. He may as he is a a watcher of that universe, and I don't really know for fully like what the how many watchers there are. I like right. They're they're apparently a species of 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 being that like ascended to. I think he mentions Mm -hmm. this in one of the episodes. They ascended, and now apparently Ultron, by becoming so powerful, he also ascended to this level where he can. Like right. see beyond the wall of the universe. Yeah. Hmm. Good questions. Let's get a, a watcher series. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Avni Boskshi on Gmail also writes, Hey, AB here. First time feedbacker. Uh, Gods, this episode was one of my favorite. My favorite part of the episode is when Peggy saw Steve and she had an emotional moment, which I found nice because in the Captain Carter episode, she was focused on the war. I understand that it was a show that Peggy is a badass and only cares about the mission, but it was refreshing that she cares about Steve. I haven't seen that episode in a while, but I remember that she did care quite a lot about Steve in, in the, to me, it, like, I mean, in the cap, in the original Captain America movie, Steve is focused on the war, but he does care enough about Peggy that the whole, like, you know, I, I'm going to be late for our date is, is an mm-hmm. important beat for him. Yeah. I, I felt like it wasn't that Peggy doesn't care about him. It's that Peggy cares about him very much as a mirror to what's how Steve cared about her. What, what's your take on it though? I think it's very similar to how they cared about each other in, in um, in the uh, movie version, mm-hmm. but I just think that we just don't have the time here to, to really listen to her. She doesn't have time to have that dance conversation as in depth. Like, yeah. you know, he's like slowly going down. She's like, I gotta go. Um, yeah. Well, we, we have 20, we have like 24 minutes instead yeah. of, you know, an hour, uh, two hours. Exactly. So I think that's, uh, that is the issue here. I don't think she, I don't think she cares any less. I think it's just a matter of how much time this episode's been given. Definitely. Up next, we got a voice memo uh, sent in. Hi, Ashley, Matt, and Jeff. My name is Jordan. I'm calling to you from California. Uh, firstly, I wanted to say congratulations on your award. It sounds well deserved. I recently started listening to your show after the end of Marvel's What If. I needed to get an alternate source of opinion on the show and to see if my crazy ideas lined up with anyone else's. I wanted to get you guys to weigh in on a few of them. So, since the TVA exists outside the timeline, do you think this is the main reason the Infinity Stones don't work there? Um, do you also think that all five stones together 
give a boost to each stone individually. So the time stone with all five is stronger than the time stone just by itself. And then also, do you think that the person, that all five stones need to be in the same universe or the person wielding it needs to be from that universe? Because I'm pretty sure all five stones need to be from the same universe for them to even work together. Uh, so, do you think if Killmonger did succeed and took the stones back to his universe, they would even work? I'm pretty sure that's how he was able to use them, was they were still in their original universe. Also, regarding the Eternals, I'm pretty sure I read that Thanos has some deviant DNA in him. Wouldn't this allow for the Eternals to come in and interfere? Do you think the movie will address this, explain the reasons why not, or do you think it'll just be, they'll just ignore the fact and it'll just be because he's not a deviant, they couldn't do anything? Also, P.S., Jeff and Ashley, you guys gotta go see Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, stay for the mid-credits scene, all that, all the usual jazz. You take whatever reason you need to, whether it's to see Tom Hardy's lips, or his figure, or whatever. I'm looking, that was a great episode, I'm looking forward to the next one. Have a good one, Jordan. <laughs> I think that Ashley, you might have convinced her, Jordan. Uh, maybe she will go for the lips. I'll, I'll make sure she, make sure she knows about that, uh, that, encouragement uh she really likes tom hardy's lips uh <laughs> i mean don't we all I mean, yeah of course of course um so that like i just i don't think we know anything about the usage of the stones for sure but it seems mm-hmm. like they're playing pretty loose with like as long as they are in a universe they can be used because right dr strange like yes i think technically your idea that you either have to be in the universe or be from the universe holds with what we saw on screen because everyone, every time someone uses the stones, they're either in the universe it was originally from or they're holding a stone from their universe. So yeah, maybe it has to be tethered. That is still canon possible, I guess. But I think that's probably, and it's a very clever workaround, but I think it probably is too, uh, too clever. I think it's, I think it's probably just that they're, they're saying the stones can be used wherever like the stones are just powerful. And if they're, as long as they're inside of a universe and not in the TVA, whatever that is, I personally think the TVA is in the quantum realm and the quantum realm exists in between universes. And that's how the stones don't work. And part of my understanding is that at least in our universe, the way they were told to us in the exposition, the, the, the infinity stones are created at the big bang, you know, and maybe we're even a part of the big bang to some extent. So like, right. There, my understanding is that kind of like the idea of trying to ascribe rules to how to use the infinity stones as though they're like magic items and you can say, okay, it's a plus three, but not a plus two, or, you know, you can do this, but not that. It doesn't, because the whole point is that they each can change parts of reality and each can change parts of the universe. So, yeah, I, I think there's one area where even I, who, who wishes things were a little more clear cut, I, I think I'm comfortable kind of saying like, we don't know the exact powers of them and, right. and no one does, you know, and I do though certainly think that one thing we got is the idea that all of them are more powerful when you have all of them, you know, they, they mm. all kind of power each other and improve each other. I don't, I don't um, know if we get that for sure. I think that like, they, they each control an element of reality, uh, right. you know, re- well, an element reality is one of them. So that's hard to say, but an, el- an element of existence, if we have to say that, um, and you know, the reality stone can manipulate reality and the time cone stone can do things with time. And it's just like, 
But once you right. put all of those together, they can do some crazy, crazy things. You're just basically God level at that point. You can do anything right. you want. You're omnipotent. Um, and I think that's where the whole like snap idea comes from. It's just, you know, you can do whatever you want and this is what Thanos wants and his will right. is strong enough. So he just decides what he wants. And if he has all the stones, he can do it. Like, I don't know if like you have the reality stone, if you can go further back in time with the time stone. I don't know if it works like that, but I do think that like things like, if you have the time stone, you might can, uh, like, like, for instance, here we go. The time stone, we've only really ever seen it rewind time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's only ever rewound it, which makes sense with physics because if you're, if you, there's this time travel concept where if you jump through time, you would not land on earth because the earth is moving, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but we've seen them rewind time. Maybe if you have the time stone and the space stone, you can jump to points in time because you can leap to wherever right. the planet is. You know what I mean? There's right. little things like that. Or, or you can use the reality stone to affect reality at multiple different points in space at the same time. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not just in your general area, but you could reach out with the space stone to affect reality. Let's yeah. turn all the water. I don't know why I went here, but all the water into <laughs> wine on all the planets. Um, that's a bad idea. Don't don't do that, anybody. I, and now, as a Christian pastor, I do kind of like the idea of Jesus having had infinity stones. Uh, but that's a whole other. Uh, and again, um, I'm not serving a church anymore. But yeah, that's heretical as heck. But hey, all of it is. So it's fun. All and of another hundred emails just come rushing in. Yeah, um, I like how you, the Christian pastors, come on and just offended Christians every episode you're on. <laughs> Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable is that's the role right. of a Christian pastor. So. That's right. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I, a great, great uh, voice message. Though, Jordan. Oh, I think you really you mentioned the deviants. Great questions. Uh, yeah. The deviants and the eternals. I don't know what they're going to do with that because there definitely is something there in comics. Now in, in the MCU, who knows if he has deviant DNA? It seemed like Thanos was just, he talks about his planet and he's just from a planet. It doesn't right. seem like he's an eternal, but we know in comics, he's the child of two eternals. And he, I guess had some sort of recessive deviant gene that made him look the way he does. Cause he doesn't look like an eternal. He looks like a deviant. Um, right. so is that little bit of recessive deviant gene? Is that enough? Um, yeah. and I don't know. I think we may get answers to that though. I think it's very possible mm-hmm. that Thanos may be referenced in the new eternals. I mean, he already has been in the trailer. Uh, they've, they've referenced the fact that he did the snap. Now it's just a matter right. of, like, w- I, what does that mean? I know that Thanos told the story of what happened on Titan, his home world, and how it sort of taught him the lesson that, you know, he thinks he needs to do this because he's bad at math. But that's another question entirely. Mm-hmm. Am I right that we never saw any other person from Titan? Like, do they all have scrotum chins, or is that just a him thing, or... I think you are right. I think that we never saw any other scrotum chins. I can confirm okay. there's only one scrotum chin in the verse currently. Okay. Cause I think that would also be a big part of it is like, does he look significantly different than like a, just a person from Titan or right. is that what people from Titan look like? That they're right. all 12 feet tall and kind of pinkish and all the rest. And do Eternals exist? Do it. I don't know in comics or in this, but do Eternals, it seems that the Eternals are in our, in, in the comics, they are, they they appear on earth and they are there with the deviants because they are trying to create a genetic marker that will help the celestials in millennia from when they land 
So that's a okay. weird, that's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big, it's, it's, yeah. it's a big complicated thing in comics where like they're there to protect the human race so that the human race will eventually over millennia we're based they're basically they basically celestials created humanity as a petri dish to create penicillin for them in a million years or whatever so earth is just a petri dish for the celestials and they're coming back one day to scoop all that uh Mm -hmm. all that scum that is humanity (laughs) and use it uh, on whatever they need so like we're basically just a medicine factory for the Celestials. That's the comic version. I don't know if they're going to go that weird right. with it. And, and I will say, I, I have not seen any of the Eternals trailers, because I, I've really been enjoying uh, not watching any trailers and going to these things completely, like, not knowing what's happening. I, I asked Matt if I should watch that trailer to, for this podcast. Uh, we agreed that it was necessary, so... Yeah, I, I got nothing. But, I, don't, um, I don't think it's, I'm talking comics basically right yeah, now. That's fair. Um, and I don't think, you know, it, there, and most of the comics knowledge I have is like from mostly mm-hmm. watching YouTube videos. We, we did do a little bit of a, Eternals coverage again for the patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you want to hear our uh, comic source material episodes, uh, you can go join the patreon.com slash MCU cast and on our stranded, pa- on our page on stranded panda, there's a link to all of our, uh, patron specific episodes that, and mostly nice. com- we did a few comics, uh, comic source material reads, um, nice. so far we're going to do more, cool. uh, but now source pages exist. I feel, uh, I feel like we got to just do it on source pages now. And um, source pages being another strand of Panda podcast. That's that right. Definitely worth checking out. That's right. Um, so I don't know the, the answer is I, j- I just don't know what they're going to do with Thanos and the deviant gene and whether he has it and whether he, I, I do think he's going to maintain his, uh, nature as an eternal, mm-hmm. but what what was Titan? If he's, was he just a a rogue eternal that landed on Titan to do something else for the Celestials? Was he free of the Celestial kind of bondage? I don't know. Right. I mean, it's an interesting question because one thing we've established is that in kind of like the Superman is just kind of a normal person on Krypton, but is Superman on Earth? Like the Asgardians are kind of like that. You know, they're not these like total weirdos or deviants, they're just normal as guardians, but just the nature of the planets is that when they then come to Earth, they're freakishly powerful and like me- demigods, really. So, right. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it played out. Uh, we got two last emails to go, so let's kind of uh, push through them. Brian Montalbano writes in, Dear Ashley, Matthew, and Jeff. Wow, Matthew. So he knew I was going to be on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably did media. Love the pod. Have been listening since prior to COVID. It's been a wonderful distraction in difficult times. Thank you. My wife and I recently rewatched Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. The whole time, I imagined the Watcher watching along with us and couldn't stop thinking about what might have gone differently in this universe versus the sacred timeline. I know it's not the MCU, I will insert, yet, but what if the Peter Parker that dies in Into the Spider-Verse is actually the MCU Tom Holland Peter? Was this, what if My- Miles Morales lost his Peter Parker? Our Peter Parker? I'm sure not everything holds up, but it sure was a fun rewatch. There's even a moment with a Kate Spooderman costume that it vibes from the want zombies. What if episode appreciate your thoughts on a possible connection. The universe is here. Keep up the great work, Brian. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've seen that uh, picture going around of it, when he goes down into the, the base and into the spider verse in the cases, one of the mm-hmm. Spider-Man costumes has a big red Cape. And so it was being joked about that. That might be the one from this universe. Um, I, I don't know if I don't think that that's the one from this universe, but I do think it is very possible that we will get a similar storyline in 
the the coming movies. You know, mm, I, I freaking yeah. love Into the Spider-Verse, and they would be insane not to want to recapture the affection that we all have for Spider-Man after Into the Spider-Verse. Like, just the right. idea of Spider-Man, and the, the idea that Spider-Man is just who he is, and, like, doesn't have to be one type of person, or mm-hmm. just so good. It's such a good, wholesome movie, and I think they might be going there... I think it's more likely that we might get Tom Holland visiting another universe and seeing, or 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 maybe Miles Morales seeing like a uh, Tobey Maguire or mm. an Andrew Garfield die. I actually really could see an Andrew Garfield as the 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 the, the valiant hero Peter Parker, right? And then the schlubby. Uh, <laughs> Peter B. Parker? Yeah, Peter B. Parker being played by um uh Toby Maguire actually. Like I think he could totally work oh. as like Toby Maguire slipping over as like the schlubby, like sort of out of sync uh Peter Parker. I think that could be really fun. I, I I'm not impressed by Toby Maguire's acting the way a lot of other people do. I think he's quite bad in those movies, to be honest. So I'm not I'm sure he could pull that off, but maybe it's certainly a possibility. Yeah. I if nothing else, I want Peter B. Parker in the MCU because he's canonically Jewish, and we have so few oh. Jewish superheroes, and we've had characters like Wanda who is Jewish in the comics because she's the child of uh, Magneto. Like that part of her character has been taken away. So I love Peter B. Parker. I'd love. I mean. I love Spider-Bot, you know, like all of them yeah. are just so good. Uh, and the dynamic there. And it's funny, even though I think Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin may be the best casting in the entire MCU. Like it, 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 yeah. it's, it's up there for me. Agreed. And, and seeing, but he's a much different character than I know he's from comics. And even in what if, like seeing that version of Kingpin, who is much more of the classic gangster from the comics with just the ridiculously oversized shoulders and head, um, like those two Kingpins meeting up could be a fun thing to do. You know, I think there's just so many great ways to take these things. Agreed. Agreed. That'd be great. The, the, speaking of Peter B. Parker, I gotta say, I think I've said it on the cast before, but what I want more, I, I know I've, I made a meme about it. It actually weirdly, like, it got more views than anything I've ever posted on our stuff because it got shared a lot. But, mm-hmm. like, the I don't care so much about Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. I would love to get Jake Johnson, who plays Peter B. Parker. Uh, he also plays Nick Miller on New Girl uh, right. in, in Spider-Verse. He could absolutely do live-action Peter B. Parker. Like, he oh, yeah. is 100%. that schlubby, like, guy. And I would just love to see... Uh, that Jake Johnson actually show up as Peter B. Parker. It would be amazing. Yeah. I want it. One thing I, one thing I wonder, and, and granted, this is a, a real crossing of the streams, but because it is in, it's all where MCU we're talking about, because I feel like to bring in some of those kids, because my, my next thought was, I want to see Spider-Pig in the MCU. Yeah. But also, that character is so humorous. Like, you couldn't put Spider-Pig into a really deep, like, you know, emotional right. MCU movie. Into the, well... I, mean, maybe, I mean, we, like, we've got freaking Rocket Raccoon at this point, man. If there's a place where you're going to play with things, really, and have some craziness, what about the holiday special? Uh, it's absolutely possible. The The Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy holiday special could totally work. But also, we just watched Loki, which I think was pretty serious. And we mm-hmm. got a frog Thor and an alligator Loki like right. in those movies. And those are a little different because they're people that became those things. They're a Loki that got transformed right. and a Thor that got transformed. Unlike Peter B. Parker. I'm sorry. 
Peter Peter Porker. Yeah. Uh, uh Spider Ham is a uh, is a full on like he's from a universe where they're all like they're all sign, yeah. like animals and, and and anthropomorphized animals or whatever. It's a difference, but I do think that it's possible to have him in. You you mentioned it had to be something funny. I think Quantum Mania is the place for this. Like I think they should just yeah, get really crazy with Quantum Mania. Oh God, Paul Rudd playing off of Sp- uh, uh, Spider Ham. Oh yeah, <laughs> John Mulaney as Spider Ham in that universe would be so much fun. Because one thing I love about Spider Ham is he's constantly breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's that I forget what it is. There's some line that they say that's basically from the MCU, and they're like, "Do we have the rights to say that?" Like, I forget what exactly it is, but there's so many great little <sighs> Spider Ham moments like that. I got it, man. I you, got you know it. what I'm talking about, right? It's yes. towards the end. It's near the big fight. Yes. Um, I don't remember what the I don't remember the line is. I don't remember what they're trying to what they say they don't have the rights to. But oh, did he say uh, that's all, folks? Yes, that's it. He that's says that's it, all, yeah. folks. And like we're we have the rights to that. Uh, <laughs> th- here's here's what we need all these characters to show up in. What's that? Deadpool travels the multiverse. Deadpool yeah. three. He goes through the multiverse, and he is the character who could like absolutely interact with like cartoons and yeah. like do whatever he wants and see all these things come to fruition, like. After Multiverse of Madness, after Quantum Mania, Kang is like destroying the multiverse and ripping through it and it's all falling apart on itself. And like you just right in the middle of that, Deadpool 3, Deadpool travels the multiverse and you get him going through every single iteration mm-hmm. of of every Marvel movie there's ever been animated or real. And Ryan Reynolds would knocked that out of the park and they could even travel to things that aren't marvel if they wanted to i think that would be amazing especially because you know like i said i I think that people are kind of split over this i think most folks i think really love where they're going with the multiverse and that's awesome i'm really glad they are i do think some folks are, are more where i am of of being pretty skeptical of this and concerned about it and i feel like you know, I love the X-Men movies, but I also love the way Deadpool made fun of them, you know? And I feel mm-hmm. like Deadpool would give this performance that would be both honoring everything that's great about the multiverse and, and, and like, living that out, but also he'd kind of walk by Doctor Strange and be like, what if, fixed point in time? Doesn't make sense to me, but whatever, move on. You know, he'd, like, <laughs> throw in enough the critique of it for people like me who are like, ah, I don't know how that all fits together. So, yeah, yeah I... Yeah, once again, Marvel sent us the check. Uh, yeah, no, Deadpool would look at like look at a guy and be like, "Don't worry, if you die, I'll go get a different variant." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like exactly. he just like call out the fact that it doesn't matter if you die. Like, and of course, that doesn't it matters to the character he's talking to, but not himself. But, you know, here's the running joke of it. Uh, one of the things he wants to do is, for some reason, he wants to like share a beer with Tony Stark. And every universe he goes to, he finds the Tony Stark right before he gets hit by a car or something. Like, you should continue, like, pointing out that, like, Tony Stark cannot live. Tony Stark keeps dying in front front of Deadpool. That's pretty great. I like that a lot. It's like Smoking Man with the Buffalo Bills, you know, not winning. (laughs) Uh, All right, one more email. Now that I'm quoting uh, X-Men, I think we're pretty far into Tangent Land. Yeah. Uh, AFOS on Gmail writes in, oh, Foz, hi, Ashley and team. Hi, Matt and team. Hi, Jeff and team. There. Now nobody feels left out. What about me? Oh, Matthew Fox. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, what about Jay Scotty? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering about the ramification of the Watcher's involvement. The Watcher kept on saying that he cannot intervene, but who asked him not to? Who set the rules? And what will happen to the Watcher if he violates those rules? 
So basically, who is he answerable to? Food for thought. Well, actually, he writes fruit for thought, which I think is maybe a play, maybe a typo, but I think it's a play on food for thought. Kang has all knowledge in the multiverse, and he observes the multiverse as seen on the Loki show. Do you think Kang hired Uatu to keep tabs on the multiverse? Do you think Uatu knows of Kang's existence? In my head, Uatu went like, it's 2021, rules are meant to be broken, snaps fingers sassily, before involving himself to gather the garden of the multiverse. Much love, Faz. Mm. If I understand the origin of the... Um, I, b- I believe that the Uatu is bound by his own oath. Now, I don't know if his whole, all of his people took the oath together, but right. I believe, like, they got involved in earlier versions of the multiverse and like, or whatever. And it didn't go so well. They, 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 they realized they need to like, it's, it's sort of a prime directive type thing. If you're a Star yeah, Trek. That's exactly fan. what I was thinking. Yeah. You like stay out of it because these people need to live their own lives. And like, I mean, it's kind of the thing. If you get so involved with people who are so much less powerful than you, then you're sort of, uh, I mean, it's a colonial idea, you know, right <laughs> in the end, like, and that's, and that's probably what a Watu is, his oath is about. But when you see this threat, what do you do? Do you step in? I mean, I can't believe I haven't thought of this until now, but this is very much the prime directive. Like, oh yeah, Watu has the prime directive. That's fun. Um, well, great, uh, Matt. I'm glad you just volunteered to come on Superhero Ethics and just talk about the ethics of the Watcher because I think yeah. that alone would make a a great, great episode. And I, uh, Foz, I love the questions you're asking, especially you know, like, can he intervene? Should he intervene? Who sets the rules? What will happen if he violates those rules? Um, I, I, I think they're great questions. I think we don't know enough really about Uatu to answer them, and it's part of why I I imagine that character will show up again, maybe in What If season two. Maybe we'll just talk about the ramifications because I, it's one of the things that I've had a little bit of a problem with, with where the MCU going is we keep meeting more and more people who claim that they're in control of everything. And I, I kind of like seeing how those all butt up against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that'd be a really interesting thing to look at is like Kang is doing his bit to, to protect the timeline. The watcher is doing, the watchers are doing their bit. How do they interact? Do they know about each other? Do they work with each other? Do they, did they fight against it? Like maybe the yeah. watchers were in the time, the multiverse war, you know? I mean, there's yeah. just so many questions. There's well, so many. What too, ifs. Like Owatu, does he exist? In, does he exist in time? If that makes sense. Does like, mm-hmm. is he watching all these people? I'm trying to think if any of these, any of these characters were per- particularly displaced in time. And I'm, I'm not thinking of any that are. Uh, because Carter had already come to the future. Um, they're all around that Avengers time, time span, right? Like right. All, all the Avengers, I'm trying to think of any of them, uh, are from significantly further in the future. Um, uh, maybe the zombie version significantly mm-hmm. in the future. I guess that was a few years later. Anyway, I'm just in here trying to, trying to piece it together because the, he, the, he goes to Wakanda way earlier. That's around the Avengers time. It seems like all these are around the same, like 2012 area, except right. for possibly the zombie, uh, mm-hmm. the zombie version. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the sense I got, and Grant, I know I haven't read many of the comics, but I read about him in the comics and the watchers is that, they kind of exist outside of time and space. They're kind of timeless. And that, at least in the comic book version of What If, it was kind of like, it was literally that. It was like, you know, the way you and I can talk about like, oh yeah, what would it be like if, you know, Cap had, hadn't had gotten the, the powers and Carter did? 
and like because of the kind of multiverse theory of every time a decision is made, there's a mo- there's different branching reality in which the other decision was made. That it's more that he he gets to perceive all of that at the same time, you know, and that right. and which which this version kind of because like the fact that he can be surprised it it it, it makes it seem like he actually is a being in time and he right. has That's kind of what I was a saying. sense of time having a beginning, a middle, and end, and so. It, I think there's a lot of ways in which we can't go off of what the comics told us about Uatu and the Watchers. Right. Uh, and I think I've now pronounced his name five different ways. <laughs> um, but it, I think that, I think it's one reason why I, that's one character I'd love to know more about because we don't really know how that works. And, you know, maybe that's going to be a big part of Multiverse of Madness or Quantumania or, or any of these. Yeah. He also, he, he, he talks about how much those stories are important to him and he's watching these stories unfold. And it, if you exist outside of time, what is a story? You know what I mean? Like it seems, right. it's almost, it seems almost like he has to exist to go along this, this storyline and understand it and appreciate it somehow, which is a very strange motivation for a, a powerful character like him. Um, I, I mean, you brought up the prime directive. Like what, what comes to mind for me is the wormhole aliens from DS nine, you know, who are these mm-hmm. beings who like don't even really understand temporal time. A linear yeah. time, I mean. Yeah, yeah. They're um, super powerful because they exist outside of time, but they don't even understand what is time. Like, what are you talking right. about? It's really interesting. Ah, it's really interesting. Star Trek's great, guys. Come watch Star Trek. Star Trek, Trek is great. Star Wars is great. MCU is great. <laughs> DC is great. Or DC can be great. Uh, <laughs> DC. <laughs> it's like, Star Wars is great. Star Trek is great. Marvel's great. DC has a lot of potential. Um, <laughs> as long as Zack Snyder's not involved, DC is great. And now uh, I just got a whole other reason to get a hundred oh yeah. angry emails. So. It. Just, just direct all those at MCU cast. We'll take all the heat for <laughs> Matthew Fox. There um, you go. There you go. <laughs> well, right. oh, last thing Afos says is, um, does he know about Kang's existence? I don't know. It kind of depends on the questions we're asking right here about uh, how far does Kang go back? Because Kang right. is from like the 30, 3, 000, the year 3000. So, has he? We know in some versions in the comics, and and presumably in Loki, because the the Sphinx is there. Kangs have gone back as far as um, ancient Egypt, um, but where, where where exactly does Kang go? And has Kang done that? Made those changes to reality yet? So that it's possible that he doesn't know yet because it hasn't happened on the timeline yet, either right. because he exists in time or the timeline hasn't been changed substantially by the Kangs from the year 3000. Yeah. So, well, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm excited. To, apparently they did have a meeting just so you, so you can feel good, Matthew, about maybe mm-hmm. watching and enjoying the MCU. Cause I know the, the like time travel stuff and the, the timey wimey nature. You don't, you don't like the, you don't like the lack of rules, I think is, is, yeah. is the thing. I, rules and consequences are yes. the things I want. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they did apparently shortly, I feel like they should have done this before, but apparently shortly after Loki, they had a conference where they got all the writers and directors in a room and they talked about the rules. Like how mm. does time travel? How does the multiverse work? How does time travel work? We got to establish it and make it, standard so that these stories continue to make sense. So I'm excited about that because at least they're thinking about it. At least they're having these meetings, you know? Okay. I, I hope that was after Loki and what if, because I don't think Loki and what if make any sense whatsoever. But again, that's my, that's my jaded personality. Many other people feel different. Um, I, I was thinking as we went over this, MCU is not going to go this far into other kind of material, 
but I would love a podcast. It could be an animated show. It could be a TV show, but it could just be a podcast. And it's 10 to 15 minutes of every part of the Marvel story, every movie, every TV show, Uatu sitting down with the other watchers and talking about what they see and should we get involved or shouldn't we? You know, like Thanos, like should they get involved? Does that hit their prime directive? Does it not? Well, that sounds to me like a a, a series you should do on uh, on sort of superhero ethics. Like, like yeah. you, you, you guys have like a watchers council and sit around and talk about like, <laughs> all right, we're the watchers. We're these all powerful beings. Is this worth getting involved in? Like, what's right. the, yeah, that's, that sounds fun. I, I would love it. I just need Marvel to tell me more about the watchers first and then I'll be happy to do it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. could, yeah, yeah, could totally. be great. All right, guys. Well, uh, Matthew, tell us more about you know, what, what you're doing these days. Sure. So the main thing I do is podcasts. Uh, you can find uh, all of my podcasts at the website, theethicalpanda.com. I also, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook at The Ethical Panda. I love feedback. Uh, I love about my stuff, about all this kind of stuff. I love discussions. The two main podcasts I do are the Star Wars Universe podcast, which is very much based on this, but like doing that for Star Wars. Right now we're covering Rebels. We're going to do episode by episode about the Book of Boba Fett and all the other content coming out soon. Um, and then also superhero ethics, which is what I really started with. And, and like we, it's come up, that is all about asking these ethical questions. Like, you know, should Uatu have intervened? Um, you know, should the, the, I think we talked about, should the Jedi have had a prime directive and like team cap or team Tony? And it's a lot of fun. We love feedback. I always love hearing people's thoughts on it, where they disagree, where they agree. What questions you would like to hear us talk about? Um, there's always so much to get into. We just put up an episode about Dune, particularly about the themes of colonialization and of like religious autonomy versus like people dictating a religion to another people and uh, messianic ideas, all kind of stuff like that. So check those out. You can also find me on the Marvel Movie Minute, which is where we do minute by minute analysis of the movie Thor. Uh, they've done prior ones about Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2. They're going through every Marvel movie. I think they'll be done in 2032. Uh, but since Marvel keeps movie, picking movies out, you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> Jeff Randall and Ashley, Co- Ashley Coffin have already been guests on that podcast. Matt Carroll has recorded his minutes. They'll be coming out soon. It's a great way to really kind of take a very in-depth look. Uh, we have, um, professors of Shakespeare, like people who are world-renowned Shakespearean experts coming in to talk to us about the Shakespearean nature of the Thor movie. There's lots of great stuff we're doing. So, Definitely check all those out. And of course, all of my podcasts, except for the Marvel Movie Minute, is part of the next real family of podcasts. But all the rest of the stuff I do, every now and then I jump onto the MCU. I'm often on PandaVision or Binger's Assemble. Been taking a break for a while, but I'll be coming back with shows like uh, we're going to do something on Witcher. Ashley and Coffin and I are going to do that for uh, PandaVision. Uh, I'll be back talking about The Boys and Umbrella Academy. So yeah, you'll be able to find me in a lot of places. But to find my podcast specifically, look at look for theethicalpanda.com sweet yeah ethical panda theethicalpanda.com uh sweet man well we'll be back soon we're gonna be doing some commissioned episodes this weekend uh like i said ash and jeff could not make it tonight to tonight's record but we didn't want to wait any longer to get this what if uh feedback taken care of but uh later this week we're gonna come out with a couple of commissioned episodes and then next week we got eternals you guys i cannot wait i cannot wait all right well Peace. Until next time, believers in the multiverse or not the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, come back and do this. You can't, I can't do it right. 
Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com. 